Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am here with... Hank Owl. Hank Owl, why don't you tell everybody about our new project? All right. Basically, what we're doing is we're going to go through IMDb's top 100 movies of all time. There's, they have this list. If you don't know, you can go on IMDb app. You go to search. One of the first categories is uh, top-rated movies. They have the top 250 highest-rated movies on IMDb. And we're we're going to go through them. This idea started on the 4th of July when we were thinking of movies to watch. We were like, you'd watch the RoboCop movies, the original trilogy, watch the Matrix trilogy. We weren't too excited about any of those prospects and then i looked at imdb and i was like we can we can do this and we haven't recorded a podcast in a while this is also a great idea for a podcast we have and a lot of a ton of movies to talk about yeah i'm really excited about it to one see some movies that have been you know on the list for a while to see and just never have and then two revisit some that i have seen and then some of them i've just even never even heard of you know which is I guess that should be too shocking. I'm not a, you know, I love movies and film, but it's not like a... You're not a peak cinephile. <laughs> that is correct. Correct. I do like them a ton, though. I love them and would like to be in some more. Um, so, yeah. I'm really excited about this. Uh, awesome. So, we are starting with a movie that was ranked number 100, right? How did you decide between 100 versus trying to do all 250? Just I thought it's just volume. impossible. Just yeah, it's just <laughs> impossible. I think it's a hundred. And hundred just sounds better to me. Like if we we're going to call the series IMDb top one hundred, and then IMDb's top two hundred fifty doesn't sound as good. It also sounds just impossible. Like if I was listening to a podcast and starting it, it's called IMDb's top two hundred fifty. I'm just I'm never going to finish it. Right? So we just <laughs> we cannot listen to it. All right, excellent. All right, so what movie is uh, IMDb's current? Because they do change, I guess. They do reorder it this every ch- year. They do change. And I was going to talk about, I think, like, we can, depending on how long it takes us to finish the series, we can do, like, later, we can do INDB's Top 100 Revisited if, like, something gets on the Top 100 that wasn't on it before. Oh, that's fun. I like that idea. Um, yeah, so what is number 100? Number 100 is North by Northwest. A New York City advertising executive goes on the run after being mistaken for a government agent by a group of foreign spies. What did you think about this movie? So let me talk a little bit about my history with it. Uh, I don't remember if this is one I saw in high school or college. I do remember that my mom is a huge fan of this movie. She's a huge Cary Grant fan. And for a little bit when I was growing up in high school or maybe even middle school, like I did get into like watching some movies that maybe, you know, my mom had recommended that generally I I would have probably rejected, but uh, she did kind of, we get on a classic film kick for a little while and we watched the African queen. I remember that one. And we watched uh, North by Northwest and my mom really loved this movie. And so did I. And I felt very, I remember as a kid feeling very cool that I knew this movie because it's referenced visually and other things just in the culture a lot so i felt good like kind of getting those references uh i really 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 love this movie um i carrie grant is amazing and just so smooth and cool and awesome the plot is fun i think this is probably my first alfred hitchcock movie that i saw and i think this is a good one to get into i don't know 
I haven't seen, you know, more than seven of his films, but I've seen, you know, two or three or three or four, maybe even five. And I, this, this feels like a good gateway into Hitchcock. And I just really, it was very fun watching it and enjoying it and also kind of sharing it with you. Uh, what did you think? Uh, I thought, I think I had the same thoughts. So, well, let, well, actually, let me talk about my history with the movie. My history of the movie is one time we saw that on HBO Max and you were like, we should watch that. And I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. that's my history with the movie. But now I'm watching it. That's a good history. Watching it. Uh, this is also my first Hitchcock movie. And it, well, well, definitely there's a lot more of them on the list as would be expected. Yeah, that makes sense. That's exciting. I'm glad this one was the one you started with, though. Um, Cary Grant, like you said, was just really, really amazing and really likable and really fun. And I think that's really just to say about this movie. It's just fun. Like, you never... I think it's almost impossible to feel bored because something's always happening. There's really no, no downtime. Yeah, it's it gets on with it, doesn't it? And, like, this movie, like, it does what it needs to do to feel exciting. Like... There didn't need to be a crop duster. There didn't need to be (laughs) running away from a crop duster that's shooting bullets at them. Like, they could have gotten to the place that that scene gets them to any other way. Like, no. He should run away from a crop duster. Right. And it's such an iconic shot, you know, of him running down that that road or the dirt road and the the plane coming behind him. It's, yeah, it's kind of great. Is there anything you, uh, didn't like about this movie. Oh, I, I don't know if I'll couch it in the fact that I didn't like it. There are certain things that I, you know haven't worn as well, in my opinion. Uh, but first, let me let me go back just a second and talk about how quick they get to it. You know, back on that being a positive. You know, and you know, to standard kind of storytelling mode for you know movies. You have like the hero, how he is before, you know, and then he has the inciting incident. His before time, the before time in this movie, like establishing kind of who he is in the regular world is like three or four minutes. It's just him leaving the office, talking to a secretary, taking a cab ride, goes in for a drink, and then boom, almost right away, that whole uh, mistaken identity occurs, and now we're off on this other completely separate adventure. I really loved that. I thought that was really, really cool and really well done. Um, so for some things that I didn't like, or again, I will couch it as maybe haven't worn well, some of the jokes, you know, that Cary Grant makes, you know, some of the sexual window, the double entendre jokes seem a little cheesy and not, corny now, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, and, you know, obviously the role of women in society has changed for, yes. for the better dramatically. Yes. So, you know, a lot of that stuff doesn't wear well, uh, but, you know, going into it, you know, that it won't. Uh, and that's just, you know, kind of part of what you kind of deal with when you're watching a movie that was, you know, made in 1959. So, part of that, and I guess another. Well, again, this isn't not this is not a negative, but it's funny seeing Cary Grant, who is obviously a very, very attractive, handsome man, but seeing him as a hero in this type of movie versus the, the modern versions. You know, while yes, he's certainly not fat, but his arms are you know pencil thin compared to like all the biceps you see these days. So that that was interesting. It's not a negative though. So I'll just say the corny jokes, and then I saw the other negative. Oh, I don't want to get too much into spoilers for the end of it, but the the, the climactic sequence, other than its location, I didn't didn't captivate me, and maybe it's that's, just because I've seen it before, but maybe not. 
That is true. It also like that final side. I felt like it had a different like tone. Like everything felt a little grounded. And like this is still. I mean, we just talked about flying the crap duster shooting guns, but that was like it still felt grounded. Like this fight seems like that wouldn't happen. That's (laughs) that only happens in action. That would only happen in an action movie. I hear that. You know what I forgot to mention too that I loved about it. I know we're kind of kind of going back and forth on this. The score. Oh yeah. The music is just so good and so sets the tone and the energy so well. And also kind of just stands on its own, I think. I think it's beautiful and exciting and it's so you hear that music and it just it just works really well. I really kinda kinda love that. It was not nominated for an Oscar for the score, by the way. That's so shocking to me. It did not win any Oscars. Of course I don't know, you know, what else was nominated then. Let me uh, kind of go on one other thing that I kind of had a Again, not a problem with. I'll say just a. We got to figure out a better phrasing for that. But something I didn't love. How about that? Uh, it was hard to believe. I found it hard to believe a little bit in their the relationship between uh, Cary Grant and Eva Marie Saint. Even though with all there's there's multiple layers to it, so you know parts of it are believable and parts aren't believable, and things are occurring that you know would normally occur if they weren't in this situation. But I still felt like. It still felt so rushed. It to did. Me. It did feel you know, rushed. Like I know, we're, it's not realism, so I get that. But I, I had, you know, little. I bought it eventually. Like fine, but <laughs> well, I didn't can like I? It. This is an oversimplification of it and making fun of it. But like, Cary Grant runs into Eva Marie Saint, and I was like, "Hey, you're a female. Want to be the love <laughs> <Yeah>. interest?" <laughs> That's how it felt like. Of course, we know that's not how it happens. No, yeah. that's what we learn later that that makes more she sense. She manufactured their meeting. Yeah, yeah, that make yeah. But that's when you're first watching that scene, you're like, <laughs> that's that. This is weird. I'm like, oh, <laughs> let's make some sexual jokes. You know, let's yeah. do that. Yeah. What do you? Uh, since we are a children's podcast, uh, what what do you think is the appropriate age? You, you felt fine at 13 seeing this, I'm sure. Uh yes. If I'm looking on IMDb on the parents guide, there's really nothing that nothing that would. Restrict. Yeah, I feel like this is you can yeah, watch this at very... any at any age, really. Yeah, I, I mean, think... obviously not like a three year old because they're not going to get anything out of it. But yeah, and then even the things that are that would be problematic, maybe for a younger viewer, handled very uh, subtly. Yeah, like you wouldn't if you were a younger viewer who you didn't want exposed to the kind of stuff that like they're referencing very subtly. Like they would, they wouldn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. It would, yeah, so I think we both, uh, yeah, we both enjoy this movie. Is there anything else you want to, uh, you want to say? Oh, the other, the age difference. That oh, that the did, age difference. <laughs> that that was noticeable too. Oh yeah, and I kind of want to talk about how this kind of a lot of people say this invented one of the things that invented the spy genre. Yeah, me, I feel like let's right. talk about the ages first, and okay. then uh, because the age, the age that really bothered me, and maybe I'm just so used to seeing the other is you know, Cary Grant's in his early fifties probably, and even Marie Saints probably you know twenties or thirties. But what that that stood out a little bit. But I'm, we're so used to that, especially in movies from this era. No, not just especially. Actually, just we're used to that. But the age difference between his mom, who's a very interesting, cool written character, kind of annoying, but also very fun and spunky and random. The relationship and the age difference between the mom and the son. That that was when I first saw the mom. I was like, wait, their brother and sister at you know, or dating at best, you <laughs> yeah. know, that kind of thing. Cause I think she really was only six to eight years older in real life. Again, that's not always the determination. It's how you kind of appear on screen, but still 
So I, I noticed that, and that bothered me a little bit on both on both ends. And the mom was a hoot. I'm glad my mom was not that much of a hoot if I ever got into this kind of trouble. <laughs> trouble. She's just wise crap. Trouble with foreign spies. <laughs> exactly. Of course, she doesn't believe it, but yeah. Yeah, she's like, I'm innocent. Like, sure you are, son. That's basically her attitude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, talking about how this invented a spy drum. There's a quote from the author of the James Bond books. How like Ian Fleming is the, Ian Fleming. the guy's name. I was... He based James Bond off of Cary Grant. And what does it specifically? So, what do you you've have you seen James Bond movies? No, I've seen Spectre, and that's the only James Bond movie I've seen, which is a shame because that movie is not very good. It's not very good. But so let's so what seeing having seen that movie and whatever you think of the persona of James Bond, what do you think about Cary Grant uh, was inspirational? I think just from what I imagine, I imagine. Kind of like Cary Grant. Like Cary Grant's character is a little more, I guess, comical than I imagine James Bond. But so like, I'm saying, what are the similarities? What do you, what what about Cary Grant inspired Ian Fleming? Do you see in your knowledge of James Bond? Uh, he's just joke making. He does a lot of action movie. I don't know, just action movie things in the in the the foreign, the charming bad guy. I think that's yeah. He's uh, so smooth and so charming and so handsome and very confident, right? Yes. I think that I think it's a lot of it. When you say make jokes, you're, we're talking about the sly kind of, you know, double entendre, you know, innuendo yeah. jokes. Not like yes. stand-up or like a clown. <laughs> knock, you know? knock. <laughs> he's not knock, juggling. Knock. <laughs> no, he's just, you know, really smooth and alpha and all that kind of stuff. Knock, knock. Who's there? Justice. <laughs> So I don't know if this is true, and I, I know you've seen a couple of episodes of Archer, probably, uh, which is probably not appropriate for most kids. Uh, so the creator of Archer he based Archer on James Bond, and the way he did it, especially in the early uh, books, apparently, or maybe all of them. I've never read any of the Ian Fleming's uh, James Bond books or short stories. But apparently, you know, he's kind of a jerk, you know, and certainly a jerk to women. And that's part of the what came on from Archer. That's that. That's, so it's funny to trace that inspiration line. Yes. Uh, I think that's I think that's all we kind of have to talk about. All right, cool. Let's go on to number 99. All right. Number 99. I'm going to let you introduce it. I'll say the name is. Well, I'll just mean just I'll say one of the names. Is the bicycle thief? We had a we had a argument about whether it was called bicycle thieves or bicycle thief because you remembered it as bicycle thief and IMDb calls it bicycle thieves and you're like, are we talking about the same movie? And I'm like, I think so, but it's called bicycle thief. I'm telling you, it's called bicycle <laughs> thief. It can be called both. That's it right. Is. But I had never even heard of anyone or read anywhere of it being called the bicycle bicycle thieves. So, thus my confusion. Uh, yes, yes. So it is bicycle. Th- the Bicycle Thief slash Thieves. In post-war Italy, a working-class man's bicycle stolen. He and his son set out to find it. Um, I'll just start saying, what did you enjoy about this movie? Let me, do you care if I do? I'm old. So do you care if I talk about my history with this again? Oh, I do not. <laughs> I do not. I think this will be a regular annoying feature. Uh, so when I was in acting school in New York with Maggie Flanagan, she talked about this movie, and I wish I could remember, it'd be a much better story if I could, the exact lesson that she was imparting, but this is what I think it was. 
and we have a list of books to read and a list of movies to watch, you know, things like this. But this came up in class with a student, and I think they were working on their present given circumstances of a play that is very different from their own upbringing. So I think it was a different time period. And I think the lesson was she was talking about cultural research and raising the stakes and understanding the the importance of uh, really embodying the situation you're in. And so she referenced this movie, and what you just said is exactly right. You know, the it's a story about a man and a son looking for his bicycle, which sounds, you know, can be can be that story can be told in so many different ways. But in this case, because we're in post-war Italy. And, you know, life is very hard and very poor. They're very poor. Losing this bicycle is effectively, you know, a death sentence. So that's kind of, I always heard of this as a movie I should watch and see in relation to that. And, of course, never did until now. Uh, so things I liked about it. Is that, that's what I was supposed that's, to be doing, Yes, right? that's the answer. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all of it. I, I really like this a lot. It, it was so stressful. <laughs> but... It's beautifully shot. Uh, the story is wonderful. Uh, the kid is not an annoying kid for the most part. Which is so rare. Maybe may, for me. In these, I guess, in, yeah, I don't know, maybe in modern movies or in older movies, it's different like that. But now we just, so when you see a kid on a screen, we're like, no. Not just, not everyone though. Us. We, I. And clearly you too. Like, I see a kid, I'm like, oh, I think I, I'm impressioned by you. Probably so. Though. So I don't think people out there agree would, would necessarily have the same reaction. So, but yeah, when I see a kid, I'm like, great. So, but this kid was awesome. Any kids you're listening, if you ever get an acting <laughs> job, we will be making fun of you. So you should keep that in mind. <laughs> we will not make fun of the kid. We will just not enjoy. Sorry, sorry. The we'll kid's be making performance. Sorry. <laughs> it's really not that. We will ma- we will make fun of how the person that wrote the script wrote your character. We're not going to make fun of anybody. We're not making fun. We are we are looking at things and giving our opinion. What we like, what we don't like, which is basic, you know, actor and artist training. You walk into a room, you see something. What do you like? How do you feel about it? So that's what we're doing. We're not making fun. Hopefully not. Uh, maybe a little. Any rate, maybe a little, probably. All right. Um, Sorry, so I, 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 totally... I really like the story. I like the pacing. I liked learning about this other culture. I like being immersed in that world. I enjoyed the accents. I like, you know, the, the Italian language being spoken. It was, uh, I really liked a lot of it. It was very stressful, but that was a good stress. And it was fun the way the, um, you know, I feel like the director, you know, told the story. I really, really enjoyed it a lot. How about you? What did you like? Well, this, well, first, I would like to give my history for it. My history of this movie is I looked on IMDb's top 100 movies and saw that it was number 99. <laughs> that is my history. Um, I want to talk... Um, I, yeah, I'd like, I like the angstiness. I feel like it was like the perfect length for a movie like this because it's, it's a short... It's an hour and a half movie. Yeah. Like, I feel like I could not deal with the angst of that world anymore than an hour and 30 minutes like right. it ends perfectly like when it ends you feel like yeah this is how this is how it was supposed to end another thing i like about it is a word we learned while researching this movie is neo-realism yes yeah, so that's the kind of the film movement that was going on during this time and that this is a part of right yes which is kind of about portraying like the real kind of working class stories stories that you could believe happened in real life like and i Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't like one of the main actors in this, like not even an actor, just a I think guy? The dad, yeah. 
the dad. So the main character, yeah. yeah. Correct. Um, well, yeah, I enjoyed how it dude, feels. Because I don't think we Victoria mentioned that. Victoria If I'm looking on his filmography, this is the only movie I've heard of. But he's mainly an actor. Like, he has an... He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I don't remember for which movie. Yeah, and I don't know if it's mainly. I think he does both acting, you know, and directing. So, yeah, so he's an artist that we're not quite familiar with very much. Uh, but, man, was he... Uh, he directed a, a great film. <laughs> yes, and I, I liked how how real it felt. Yeah. I think it felt like this is this is, this is is scary, but it is it's realistic. Right, but yet the story deal still moved, like it it moved on, you know, in a nice pace, but you didn't, know, you know, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like you were in a movie. It felt yeah, like it felt like you were watching, watching kind of slices of real life. Yeah, you were watching, like, someone in the street picked up a camera and was like, I'm going to follow this Italian man looking for his bicycle. Right. Uh, I mean, back to, can we talk a little bit about uh, to, to the kid again? I got. Um, I don't know. Spoiler wise, I, we don't want to talk. Anyways, the kid. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that's just, I don't know what I want to say about the kid because I realize we don't really kind of get spoilers. But I enjoy the kid's moral uh, eyes on the dad. I like the dad and the kid's relationship, which is can be great and then bad. I mean, we kind of see the dad through the lens of the kid a little bit near the end yeah yeah i guess we yeah we do we do that whole the whole the whole ending of the film is just is beautiful with tension and then release and then uh, uh yeah I, I, it was just great, no, <laughs> this this is, just great. Ra- so who do you think the antagonist of this movie is we've talked about the protagonist being you know the dad but who's the antagonist or who could what possible one of them i think the antagonist is mainly just society and like kind of the world that time the post-war italy the poverty and having to deal with that yeah that first scene like if we're talking again like we did with north by northwest like the the day in the life like what the state of the hero is before anything happens you know as he's he's not even paying attention and waiting in line to get a job you know handed out by the i guess the job bureau because that's how tight and scarce of things is and he's you know, immediately you immediately you get the world by the people complaining, waiting in line, by him seeing his wife and helping helping her drag the water like up to their apartment. Like you get it immediately, uh, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, cool. Let's move on to number ninety eight. This is uh. Previous movies have been from the 50s and 40s. This is one from the 80s. It is Full Metal Jacket. A pragmatic U.S. Marine observes the dehumanizing effects the Vietnam War has on his fellow recruits from their brutal boot camp training to the bloody street fighting in... Who? You? H-U-E. I think it was Way. Way. So I I was just so far off. Way. Well, that's... Way City. It looks like that. And I could be wrong with that too. They said it obviously, but I don't, I don't remember. And who directed this and stars in it? This is. Are you sorry? Are you asking me who is the person who direct? Are you asking me the person who directed it and what character he plays, or are you asking for the person separately? 
who directed it and who stars in it. I was asking who the director is and who are the actors that are in this film. With like the leading actors. <laughs> Sorry, I thought the way you said it very quickly, so my brain was like, Stanley Kubrick isn't doesn't play an acting I don't role in this, this movie. This is an actor director uh, hybrid. Okay. Well, Stanley situation. Cooper directs it at stars. But he would have been great as uh, somebody. <laughs> uh, Stanley Kubrick directs this. It stars Matthew Modine and Vincent D'Onofrio, who just is so very amazing in this movie, and uh, Adam Baldwin. Very cool. And the, um, I don't remember his name, but I don't think you said it with the, uh, the Lee Ernie. Is that the guy who plays the drill sergeant? Um, yeah, I believe so. Yes. That sounds right to me. And I, and I also remember hearing, and I think this is true. <laughs> Correct me internet. If, if, if I'm not, if it's not, but that also like he was not a professional actor either. Just like the dad of the last one wasn't. He was in the, he was in the military. He may, I think he is a professional actor, but I think he he was also in the military. He was in the Marine Corps for 11 years. And if he, I'm not sure about the timeline of like, was he an actor before this movie? Gotcha. Um, Not sure, but like, I'd be really shocked if he wasn't because he's really, really good in this. He really is. He has a lot of, ton of quotable lines. Um, Can I talk first? Yeah, definitely. This movie's kind of like in two segments. Like there's a clear, there's a clear breaking point where things change there's like a there's a beginning of the first act there's like you can clearly tell we're like this is this part has ended now we're on to this right and that first part just has like i'm glad to see all because i've heard these quotes all the time and i never knew where they were from they're from this movie um and it's just they do a great job of just setting up this the mindset of the marines that kind of explains how everyone is thinking and behaving and the second part and they, they do a really good job of that so what are they doing in the first part What's they are going on? they are training they are at boot camp you see like how they transform from quote-unquote maggots into marines yeah this is like they're eight they, weeks at paris island for the marine boot camp yeah so in the second part when you see these characters acting you have that kind of background on why they are doing this and kind of what led them to this position well where are they in the second in the second part they are actually they're fighting in way. Yeah, they're actually over in Vietnam. Vietnam. So, and just I just liked how they did that. I feel yeah, like they I did that very well. Really cool too. Like it's and they are again completely separate. Each they each could stand on its own, quite frankly. Yeah. But it's it's cool how they complement each other. Yes. What else did you like? I think the acting. It's very good, especially in the beginning, the drill sergeant, like he just seems like very like, it's very like tense and dramatic, but it's very funny how tense and dramatic, at least to me, because like he's just, just cussing and cussing and cussing and insulting, insulting, insulting so much that it becomes uh, funny. So like, I guess it was just just fun to to watch, but like still like in that, like fun to watch it, like sticks like drama in there. Like this is... It's kind of very dark humor at the end. There's kind of a there's a change in tone from the first part to the second part. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, those opening scenes with the drill sergeant are just you're just like, oh my, my goodness, God. I cannot. You believe are just the worst. This is what we're doing, and like and trying to picture you know going through that is amazing. You know, uh, what else did you like? Um.
give me a sec. <laughs> Not worth. Do you want me to say something I liked? Maybe that'll spur your memory, or you want to keep going? That's um, yeah. What did uh, what did you like? Something that really stood out for me uh, is how musical it was, and how like the rhythm and the tone. There are tons of scenes of them training or jogging and chanting. And, you know, the drill sergeant call and response type of song where he will say a line and then they repeat the line, you know, left, right, left, right. And, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and it would, some of the times it would last like really kind of longer than you think it should. Or that's what I kind of felt. But then that kind of rhythm just kind of built up on yourself and then they'll cut to a different scene and you'll kind of miss that rhythm. But it was like then they fill the vacuum with like a you know quiet dialogue scene or something like that. And then they cut back to more training. And I don't know, I just really appreciated and noticed for the first time how, how, much, how much the music and the rhythm of the film made it great. Like I really loved that. And also like we were talking about like uh, the strong beginnings and like turning points like this beginning is very short like the real the downtime for the movie really starts is like them getting a haircut and then you're right into the drill sergeant monologuing completely like they're that's their 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 day before or the day of before like something dramatic happens and takes you on your journey it's like a it's, minute yeah because like it's they starts with just them cutting the hair and what a great so that's the opening of the film is all of them getting their hair buzz cut at you know at, uh, at boot camp and so you just see and see the effect it had on the different characters was very interesting too like it was just so that was such a cool way to begin a film yeah and that's that's really i don't know i think that's all that's all i have to say at least uh, um since i didn't get to do my history with this film i saw this when i was younger 80s i don't think i saw it in a the movie theater but it was on hbo pretty quick and i think i saw it at a friend's house or something like that and we've been quoting this movie ever since, you know, just to, to poke fun at friends, you know. There was there was like one quote in that opening uh, monologue where I was like, oh, my God, he said that 40,000 times. And like I thought, like, oh, I was just, okay. I was just I seeing, so yeah, yes. I was seeing where it came from. And I was like, oh, oh my God, oh, my. It was like it's a realization. So, yeah. Because like whenever you said it, I was like, oh, that's a cool thing. That's a thing. That's kind of, I don't know whether to think that's, that's weird or interesting. Weird thing to say, yeah. And then he's like, oh, it's from this. I get, I get that. Yeah, we major malfunction. Why are you trying to destroy my beloved core? That's not what these are. But that's, we would say that to each other all the time. Very fun movie, and I really only remembered the first half of the movie. I'm sure I'd seen the second half of the movie where they're actually in Vietnam, but I didn't remember much of it. And what I remembered was much scarier and much more intense than I rem- than I than it was experiencing the second time as an older person. Um, you were talking with us. I was us. nervous about you watching it, especially you know, and you know, our last movie of the day late at night because I just remembered it being so graphic and and kind of horrifying. And maybe I'm a little more callous now, or maybe the world is a little more horrifying, or or I'm just aware of it more. Um, well, yeah, like I feel like I was like the how grotesque it was was overhyped. Yeah, like, <laughs> you were like, oh, we're gonna watch. Full Metal Jacket. This is gonna be. Was. This is gonna be dramatic be and really traumatizing. And dramatic and like, but it was. It was. It was not as. 
impactful in that particular way as when I saw it when I was younger. Yes. But I'm really glad we saw it. Ah. Um, let's, are we, so are you ranking these movies? Are we doing I would, individual rankings? Or let's rankings let's do a, individual rankings. Okay. So of these three, where do you, do you agree with where IMDb had them at? And to recap that, those, I do not. North by Northwest at 100, The Bicycle Thief at 99, and Full Metal Jacket at 98. So where would you put these? Uh, Just given these three movies in this list. I would do, I do not agree with their ranking. Okay. I would do North by Northwest is my favorite. So you'd do that 98? 98. Uh, Full Metal Jacket at 99, Bicycle Thieves at 100. All right. So I have... My order is the bicycle thief is the best you of the refuse, three. You refuse to call it bicycle thieves, and I refuse to call it the bicycle <laughs> yeah. thief. That conversation from yesterday is just still in our minds. I don't. It's not a refusal. My point. I just when you've called it something, you know, I've called it fifty times something, and then so but my brain's going to go to that. Uh, so the bicycle thieves or the bicycle thief, uh, I would put it at ninety-eight. And then North by Northwest at 99, and then Full Metal Jacket at 100. So I like The Bicycle Thief the best of these three. Yes, and I think the reason I didn't like The Bicycle Thief so much is just it's shorter. You feel less time. And it's, like, good for that movie, but, like, I I, I like I like longer things. Which is the exact opposite of your mom who would, you know, it, 88 minutes would be her perfect uh, yeah. <laughs> minute. Like, that. Something anything under 90 would be good, right? Yeah. Like, at that point, she's like, I I'm watching this, but I could be sleeping. <laughs> Love you, Peggy. Good night. We'll tell. We'll tell you how it ended. <laughs> well, that's funny. Awesome. Well, uh, very cool. So I'm glad we watched these movies, and we'll do uh, the next three on the list sometime pretty soon, right? Yeah. Or I think we'll vary how many movies we do in one podcast. Like the next one is Citizen Kane, and we might talk about that on its own. Yeah, my guess is we will. That's that's a pretty seminal movie. Uh, anyway, so I hope you guys enjoyed this new format. Uh, we did. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at info at pineconeturkey. You could also go to pineconeturkey.com and sign up for the flock email to keep abreast of everything going on in the Pinecone Turkey universe. Thanks a lot. Until we meet again. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Associate and Antoine Blanc. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com. We can the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email. Twice a month newsletter delivers a short film, poetry, short story, and visual art right to your inbox. Monthly dose of art curated by Myco Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.